Welcome back to the Life of Garrity podcast and to our living room. Today is episode five, which is part two of a series about navigating chronic disease. We are continuing the conversation about navigating chronic disease. So in last week's episode, we talked about how I found out that I had Hashimoto's, how I stumbled around and eventually got into remission. And then we ended on that pivotal moment where I was in DC. I felt like I was on top of the world. I had my routine on lockdown, whether I was traveling or not. All the things... I controlled everything. I was in control. Yeah. At that point. Little did we know. (laughs) Little did we know. What was about to happen next. The reason why I think back to those last few moments before my next diagnosis is that I just, I like to recall the mindset of where I was at and how that's changed and grown. And I hope that that's something that you'll see shine through all of our podcast episodes. Yeah. And shine through who we are as people. Right, because that's really the important part. Yeah. There's a lot of physicality that goes with it, with chronic disease. There's a lot of um, events, action items, you know, things that come up, but it's really the emotional, spiritual toll that it takes that I think is the important, important piece, especially because with autoimmunity, it's not very simple. It's not a simple fix. Nope. It's not do this, do that. You're good. A lot of times it's can't do anything. So yeah. What do you do about that when you feel not in control, especially with somebody like me being a fixer that wants to be in control? Absolutely. So I leave that trip. I come home. We're home. I'm home for four days. We get in the car. We drive to Pennsylvania for our friend's wedding. And I, on the next couple of episodes, I'm not going to be graphic as if I were, if you were a friend of ours and you were literally sitting in our living room with us, but I will just give, I need to say just a little bit because so that you understand because a lot of people don't know what this disease is. So we got to our hotel. I'm putting on my dress that I got from Rent the Runway, which to this day is still my favorite dress I've ever worn. And I actually rented it a second time again for another event because I loved it so much. Anyway. It was a hot dress. It was a hot dress. So I go to the bathroom and something happens that had never happened before. If you're eating breakfast, pause this podcast. I have a couple of drops of blood that come out of my rectum. And we were in the middle of a squat cycle at our gym. So I come out and I told Ryan what had happened. And he's like, well, maybe it's a hemorrhoid. Like we're doing the squat cycle. And I remember that day that I was so sore from that squat cycle that I could barely walk up and down the stairs at this venue. (laughs) So I know like that. So I thought, yeah, 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 that must be it. And I'm getting older. Like it makes sense. I think at that time, maybe I was 30, 31. (laughs) And I was like, I'm getting older, you know, things start falling apart. 
I don't think anything of it because I feel great. I look great. There's no red flags here. Fast forward a week or two, it gets progressively worse. Mm -hmm. And I start, it gets to the point where I can't really leave the house. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm losing a lot of blood. Okay, that's as, as graphic as I'll be today. I reach out to my natural path and she responds right away. You need to find a specialist and you need to get in right away. This is an emergency. And I call Ryan just bawling my eyes out because I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And I call a bunch of, of gastroenterologists and none of them can get me in. And then I end up finding this one woman in New York City and she can get me in that. That was a Tuesday. She could get me in on Thursday. So I go in and she actually did spend a significant amount of time with me and talked to me about, asked me about my whole long health history and I told her all about Hashimoto's and all these other things and back when I was having a lot of joint swelling I had been they had sent me to a rheumatologist a few times to do all of those labs and those labs always showed up negative and this doctor had told me that sometimes if you have uh, IBD which stands for inflammatory bowel disease you can have a lot of joint swelling but it's not it's not going to show up on a rheumatology uh report because it's not from like those aren't the the lab markers that are high it's uh it's really just your body attacking itself so right. so it's like invisible it's invisible that's what makes it so difficult yes and i have so many friends who are or even acquaintances you know had a friend that are like oh you should talk to lori who they're in that in-between stage where their their joints are swollen they have digestive problem, you know, things are happening. They have all these different markers, but uh, they can't get a diagnosis. And I will say there's one thing about my story is that I've always been able to get a quick diagnosis. So I'm beyond grateful for that. Yeah. And who knows, maybe I'll find out more. I have more later on, but for now that was a blessing and, and just learning and, and meeting more people. Mm -hmm. I realized how hard it can be to get a diagnosis. So I was lucky in the beginning that my, my symptoms were so severe that I got a diagnosis right away. So I had to go in for my very first colonoscopy. Super fun when you're 30 years old and you're a newlywed. And right. I, and also I'll say it was where I had the procedure done was in New York City. And I'm, you know, I'm not from here. So if you've never been to a hospital in the city, it's really scary at first. Yeah. And you're not like in a situation where you're in your gown by yourself. You're in your gown in a waiting room with a bunch of people because everyone's, you're like in pre-op and post-op, you're with a bunch of other people. It's weird. But I remember being so afraid and I didn't understand what was happening. And those couple of weeks before I, like between getting the, colonoscopy I lost a significant amount of weight and it was scary yeah so I have a colonoscopy I you know I'm in post-op I wake up Dr. Garcia comes in and she says oh super easy no big deal you have ulcerative colitis and uh you know here's the medication I'm gonna give you and sent me on my way. And your prognosis was not terrible in the beginning because no. what she was talking about with ulcerative colitis was the inflammation was very uh, close to the rectum, right? So it wasn't yeah. like with folks with like Crohn's, Crohn's where your inflammation is much further up the GI tract. It yeah. was 
very localized, right? Very localized. She was confident that we could get it on her handle because it was such a small location too. Right, Small exactly. amount of inflammation. And she said the rest of my GI tract looked great. And it was really just this one small part. So she gave me my medication and it was, I had to take two giant horse pills every day. <laughs> yeah, and I then that. I had to do, drum roll, I had to do an enema every single night for the next six weeks and then every other night for another six weeks. Yeah. Now, let me paint the picture. We're newlyweds. We just got married a year ago. And wow, that really puts a damper on your life. So I did it. And I remember at the time thinking, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me to have to do this. I won't get any, I won't get graphic about why those are so awful, but you can imagine. So well, it's just, it feels embarrassing. It does. Know? It feels and so although, embarrassing. You know, we're newlyweds and obviously I vowed to take care of you for this rest of my life, which is 100% how I feel. I mean, you're kind of like, wait a second. Uh, they don't talk about this on <laughs> the television or in movies. Okay. <laughs> newlyweds are supposed to have like this honeymoon phase for a while. Uh -huh. Everything's going great. We're young. We live in a vibrant city we get to get out go out there meet our friends have dinner do all this fit. fun stuff yeah and uh right and, and fitness was a big part of our our life obviously it still is today although for laura's taken somewhat of a back seat for a couple couple years because of this um uh, but we're like everything's going just fine yeah you know all of a sudden the doctor's Bam. like yeah you gotta you gotta do some enemas and i remember um how scared you were I was so scared. I didn't understand because yeah. I had been holding on, gripping so hard to this lifestyle and that I was in remission and that I had the answers and I knew how to heal myself. Right. And now this. So one of the big things that I saw was the beginning of the process of acceptance. Yes. It's really scary because the writing's on the wall that you do not have control over this. Yeah. And you think something you're doing is wrong. Ugh. And so that's where the stigma comes from. You're doing something wrong. Yes. Obviously, years into this thing now, we have a completely different educated view about it. But back then, that's what it, that's what it feels like. And that's the vibe. I'll say at this point, I had listened to a gazillion podcasts about Hashimoto's. I had not yet heard any podcast talking about ulcerative colitis. And I was so embarrassed that in the beginning, I didn't tell anyone. I, unless I absolutely had to, right. like my boss at work, because I had to explain why I was going to be out. But other than that, I held that very close to the chest. And if it ever came up, I would just say, oh, yeah, I have multiple autoimmune diseases. And that's all I would say. Right. Now, I shout it from the rooftops, no big deal. Right. But at the time, that's where my mindset was. And I also want to say, I started the medication and within 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, symptoms gone. Boom. Yeah. Back to normal. And my, I took that as oh no problem i'm yeah. good i'm totally good now i can go back to controlling my life i'm totally in control we here. fixed it i fixed it we just totally a little help but we fixed it yeah and also i want to say i did not slow down my 
lifestyle didn't slow down whatsoever. I just kept on cruising, traveling a bunch, working a ton. And I, so on the one hand, I didn't let this hold me back. But on the other hand, I didn't give myself the time and space to really understand what was happening to my body. So also just to comment about, you know, of course I, during this process, I reached out to my natural path and I said, hey, this is what I'm, this is the medication they have me on. This is what's going on. You know, how can I support myself naturally, et cetera. And I want to say that she was so supportive and she never judged me for having to go the Western medicine route and she never made me feel like I was failing. And I think that's really important to say because that's not always the case when it comes to um, holistic medicine practitioners, but she was very realistic in that uh, this is just what you got to do right now and it's totally fine and we can support your body in other ways. And it, it was important for me to not feel judged. And I was holding on so tightly to this natural lifestyle. It was important for me to feel like I wasn't getting kicked out of the club. Yeah. You know, and to not feel like I had done something wrong. So she was really uh, just really nurturing in that way. And here's something else that's really cool about working with a natural path is that in the beginning of me working with her, there were some of my lab work that came up and, and some – uh, a reaction to a supplement at one point that she said, oh, that's interesting. You might have histamine intolerance. But it wasn't the main focus at the time. At the time, we were just focused on let's get your Hashimoto's into remission. And, uh, but that was something that she had pointed out and thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. And there were, every time I would do lab work, my my white blood cells were high. And we didn't know why. And she would always say, there's something else. There's a, There's an infection. There's something, but we don't know what it is yet but it's going to come to the surface eventually. So when I told her I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, she was like, there it is. There's the high white blood cells. There's the potentially histamine intolerance. And it was at that point that we introduced a low histamine diet, but we'll talk more about that in, in the next episode. But I didn't take it too seriously at that point because I had so much else on my plate. And she always, she was very big on keep it simple, do what feels right. If it's stressful, don't do it. Just do what you got to do, like do what feels good. And every time I meet with her, her first question is, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. So that's important to keep in mind. If you're looking for a practitioner, make sure it's someone who, you know, is focusing on uh, meeting you where you are. Right. So anyway, fast forward a few months, we start trying to get pregnant. I'm in remission from both. We're like, let's do this. Let's try to still do an enemas. Was I still doing enemas? I don't know. I don't remember. I think so. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I we was like, off and on. We had like spot treatment enemas. Yeah, spot so treatment. So remission, yes, on paper. Although here and there, we still have some symptoms, right? Yeah. So what happens was eventually I start spotting again. Yeah. And I didn't know why. And at that point, I was so scared that if I went back to the doctor, they were going to say, we need to take your colon out. Like I was just terrible. Yeah. I had all these unrealistic ideas of what Western medicine looked like for ulcerative colitis. And I was terrified of what the next option was. And I tell friends who are in my same situation this. When I started bleeding again, 
I could have just got, gone back to the doctor. That would have been a great option, but that's not the option I took. And, and we're going to tell you all about what happened. So right. I decided that I was going to fix myself. And I was like, you know what? I just need to get stricter. I need to, and some of my friends who have autoimmune disease, you know that this is, this is the mindset is that how can I get stricter with my diet? How can I, like, what can I do to try and control this? So I deep dove into all of that and nothing really seemed to work. Nothing worked and I got worse. So let's save you guys all a little bit of hassle. Yes. Right. Just go back to the doctor. Just go back to the nothing, doctor. Nothing seemed to work. I mean, we've done everything. You can t- We can take this offline. You can send us an email and talk a little bit more about Lori's experience with that. But she's done everything. I mean, I did everything. thousands of hours of podcasts, thousands of pages of books. Research. Experts. The whole nine. Everything. I saw it. I did all of it. And Ryan peacefully and calmly held space and just watched and witnessed and he let me just feel my way through it and be seen and be heard. He didn't try to tell me what to do. And I think I needed that. I needed to be able to just experience what I was experiencing. Yeah, I think because for me, like my perspective, I was quick to understand that I shouldn't play the role of the fixer in this case and that I'm not in that situation. so. I don't know what it feels like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And so my job is different, right? It's not my job to put myself in her shoes because I can't imagine it. But, yeah. you know, it is my job to be able to show up and hold space. And if there's anything I can do, then I'm available to do that. Yeah. And I was, I was in this really scary place of I had had this lifestyle that I was so dogmatic about and this belief system around how to heal your body. And all of a sudden, all of those truths were no longer true. And it was all, it felt like an identity crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, now what? Right. Because a lot of things you were doing, especially for Hashimoto's, you had conquered that and it worked. And all of a sudden, the things that you're doing now, even with the help of some Western medicine and a real doctor, um, it's still not working. Yeah. Right. And you've got that brief period of relief where you're like, well, I must be on the right track because otherwise wouldn't her treatment regimen just not work. Right. Right. And at this point, I remember thinking that like there was not really a clear prognosis on it or path forward. So now six months go by and we're getting progressively worse and worse and worse. I want to say one quick thing as well. That summer when I was working with my naturopath, there were a few things that we could do in the holistic realm just to make sure we were supporting my body as best as possible. And one of those was we did a Dutch test to see where all of your hormone levels are throughout the month. And we did one of those to see uh, if there were any you know, issues there. And then we did a, an oat test, which stands for organic acid test. And from what I understand, that one is about, are you actually absorbing the nutrients you're eating? So that was really important to make sure that because this is something that happens in the digestive tract where your body is attacking 
your digestive tract, your colon. We just wanted to make sure that I was absorbing nutrients. So we did that and the result was, yes, I was. She was very surprised by how positive my results were. So that was a relief for me to know like all this stuff that I'm doing isn't for nothing. And then the last piece of it, we also did a GI map. And, you know, we wanted to make sure there weren't any underlying gut infections or anything like that. And there weren't. So it was good news and bad news. The good news is there's no underlying other infections. But the bad news is we still don't know what's actually causing this. So that just as a side note that I did, you know, I still was working with my naturopath. I still work with her today and, you know, did what we could to make sure that, uh, there wasn't anything else that I needed to be doing. So I come home from an outing with a friend and I had had a bathroom situation. I was mortified. And you said, are you ready to go back to the doctor? Yeah. So this was probably six months since the initial diagnosis. And then some of the medications that she gave us that were working and then it kept progressively worse and worse and worse. And uh, were you ready to go back to the doctor then? I finally, like, I remember exactly where we were in our apartment and where you were sitting and like the tone in your voice. And you were so gentle with me. And I knew it was like all of a sudden I had been hiding how bad things had gotten. Mm -hmm. But you knew all along and you were waiting for me to become willing. And in that moment, I knew. I knew I was willing. So I made an appointment with my doctor, but mm-hmm. you said, I'll come with you. And let me also paint this the, this picture. When you're losing the amount of blood that I was losing, you become anemic and you're in a brain fog. You don't know what's going on. And I, by nature, am so positive and am so like, I got this. I can you know, I can conquer anything Mm -hmm. that I don't always hear the truth. Right. So it was really important for Ryan to come with me, A, to make sure that I told the doctor the truth and B, to actually hear what the truth was of what the next steps would be. Yeah. And to have the courage to ask the questions. Sometimes we don't ask the important questions because they're hard questions and we don't want to hear the answers. Right. Yes. And I had a couple of questions myself, which was kind of, you know, I want to see what her thought was for the treatment regimen, you know, and if she was just going to continue prescribing more medications or up in the dosage, are we just putting a bandaid on something? Like my thought was more fundamental, like fundamentally, where are we, you know? And so we did make that appointment and we went to go see the doctor. I want to hear your your thoughts on what that conversation was like, because I was out of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, she looked at the levels again and just kind of talked a little bit about somewhat of her frustration that it was such a localized area that was really uh, reachable that what she was prescribing, it sounded like in her experience for other folks that have had similar symptoms works and it worked for you early on. Why is it not working now? And that was kind of the puzzle. 
And she kept reiterating that like, yeah, the inflammation is just down here. We should be able to treat that. So we're going to up your dosage to this and that. And I remember asking, I was like, so, okay, we up the dosage. So then, so then what happens? Like, are we just going to continue to up the dosage on these anti-inflammatories? I mean, are we, what are we working towards here? Um, and I put it a little more politically correct uh, because she is an expert after all, or I should say a medical professional. And I was just trying to better understand what our pathway forward looked like and what our chances of potentially having a real treatment or remission looked like. And I just didn't feel that from her, you know, and to her credit, she was available in the beginning and she did spend quite a bit of time with Lori. Cause I remember you coming home being like, I spent an hour with her, mm-hmm. you know, and she had some great insight. She was a great doctor to get the initial diagnosis from because she was very, I felt comfortable and safe with her. Right. But we ultimately left that conversation without much of a real path forward. She basically doubled your dose on your anti-inflammatories and said, let's see what happens in three to six months and come back and see me. Oh, and she gave me iron pills. Yeah, but that was more just to deal with the symptom of being anemic, right? Right, and fast forward, if you have IBD, iron pills aren't always the great option because you're not going to absorb it, and they really hurt your stomach. Yeah, I remember that. So we walk out of the office. So we get in this Ricky elevator, and all the wind's been taken out of our sails. I feel completely lost. And Ryan turns to me and says, I think we need a second opinion. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we'll end today. So next week you can find out what happens next. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review. And if you screenshot it and email it to us with your mailing address, we will send you a fun gift from one of our favorite companies for Sigmatic. All of this information is in the show notes. See you next week.